So I had a friend of mine um, who, I mean, he's, he's, he's teetering on just about being born again, I think, as a Christian. And, you know, we talk, we find ourselves in talks every now and then where <laughs> he'll ask me like, man, how do you know the Bible is the word of God? You know, and it's not like he's being critical of it, which I love. I'm said, you know, that's a good question. And I've been meaning to make an episode about this for a while. Obviously, if you have been listening to me uh, recently, my voice has just been not the best. I've had a little injury in my larynx for the last several months. And so I've been really slowly working my way back. So thank you for being patient with me. But I do what I can. You know, God, God is good and he will always deliver you. Remember that. So ultimately, I, I saw this as an opportunity because we had this conversation recently and I said, you know, maybe this is the time to really make an episode on this because it is a good question. How do we know that the Bible is the word of God? And for most people, that, that's one of the big, you know, people who aren't believers, let's put it this way, even some Christians who will ask that question. How do we know that the Bible is the word of God? Maybe it's been manipulated, it's been translated so many different times. The Illuminati created it as a psyop, you know. There's so many different conspiracies. And so ultimately, there's a lot of actually really good answers to it. Um, and, and unfortunately, most of the time when you provide these answers to people, they just, they don't really want to hear it because, because if the Bible is true, if the Bible is the word of God, then your perspective and reality completely change. Then you have to be accountable to God because the Bible is true, that God is a judge, that God is the authority of all of morality, that he created us and that we were made to be in a relationship with him. And so all these things are very much anti, you know, new age, personal growth, woke liberal culture. It's just anti-culture. You know, culture is very pride oriented, very independent minded. It's all about rebellion. And of course it has to say that the the Bible is not the word of God. Otherwise, if it is, you know, then that that changes everything. And so the first thing I want to say is the, the story that probably everybody knows, which is in the Bible, <laughs> uh, is Adam and Eve, right? And, but see, the thing is, most people don't realize the profound nature of this story, which on the surface seems very simple. And that's kind of the case with the whole Bible. There's a lot of simple teachings there, but they also have very profound uh, implications and, and understanding. So with with the Garden of Eden, the thing that I want to get across first that we need to, to use as context for, for answering this question of why, or I should say, how do we know the Bible's the Word of God? First and foremost, Satan deceived Adam and Eve with three lies. When they had that little interchange by the tree, supposedly, or whatever was happening there, Satan convinced Eve of three things that were not true. And they were all accusations against God. Satan said, well, you're not going to die if you disobey God. Don't worry about it. So what does that say? Well, it says that God's word is not reliable. That means that what God said, you don't have to worry about it because, you know, it's it's not going to happen. So keep the, keep all this in mind because it's, it's really important context. So God's word is not reliable. The second one is... Well, you know, eating from this tree is going to make you like God, and God knows that, so that's why he forbade you to eat it. So what does that mean? Well, that means that God's character is questionable. 
that he's saying one thing and doing another, right? That's what Satan was saying. And so, you know, if you look at that just alone, that is like the whole Gnostic New Age idea. I mean, Gnosticism is has been around for, you know, since, I don't know, a couple of centuries after Christ. But, you know, mysticism in general, is, it's all the same. It's this idea that we can be God. And even so much Gnosticism takes it to the next level, which is this idea of a demiurge, that there's an evil being that trapped us in this body and that we need to ascend and become, you know, divine and all this kind of stuff. So it's all just BS. And it's all founded on that idea that that the creator can't be trusted, that the, his character isn't perfect, right? So as soon as you see, and notice these lies because they're very much prevalent in today's culture. They're still very alive and well, and that's exactly the whole reason why I wanted to start with them. And the third one was basically that we could be like gods, right? That, that, that's, it's kind of tied in. They're all tied together, really. They're all one mishmash of, of deception. But we can be God. You know, God is not sovereign. So ultimately, God can't be trusted. God's character can't be relied upon or his word. Um, and that he's not sovereign. He's not in control. We can do it better, right? He, he doesn't know the what we should do it's it's we that have the truth right and so all these three lies are still very active today most people are relativists today you know they, they subscribe to this idea that your truth is your truth my truth is my truth and you know it's just uh all religions are true and just you know everybody's on their own path to godhood basically i mean this is the same stuff that satan fed adam and eve it's it's nothing new the Bible says in the Ecclesiastes chapter one, there's nothing new under the sun. And so with all that in mind, we have to look at this common perception that the Bible is not reliable as just another deception of the enemy, right? Because again, if the Bible is true, it has a very exclusive truth. If it is true, then you know, you, your sinful lifestyle, your rebellion, your pride, all that stuff is very threatened, right? And you have to let it go because otherwise there's, there's a really serious consequence, right? So, so this is the problem. We have to, in order to justify a lie, we have to make the truth seem like a lie, if that makes sense, right? So in order to make the lie the truth, you got to flip the world upside down and make the truth the lie. And so with that in mind, just keep that in mind because this is exactly the stuff that is still, <clears throat> excuse me, going on today with the new age, with atheism, with, you know, anybody who, who doubts the word of God. And so if you are questioning, right, if you're wondering, or maybe you're already a believer and you have are having some of these conversations with, with unbelievers, and it's like, man, I, I don't have answers to these things, I wanted to share a couple things with you in this episode that maybe uh, can, can act as edifying pieces of evidence of strength for you. Obviously, further research is necessary because these things are, each of them, an expansive topic. But, you know, it's really important as believers that we have answers to these questions because Adam and Eve didn't have an answer. They were born in a perfect environment, but they didn't have an answer. That's because they didn't have history. 
And because they didn't have an answer, they were tempted into sin and here we are, right? So we have to have an answer to Satan's lies. And and there are many answers. So first and foremost, the Bible cross-references itself more than 70,000 times. This has been shown through all kinds of studies, but what that tells you is, you know, that's that's insane if you think about it. I mean, if you really think about it from a literary perspective, there's no way that so many dozens of authors over literally, you know, I don't know how many, 1,500, 2,000 years or more have put together this entire message and it cross-references itself, right? These authors were never in communication with each other. It spanned centuries, right? And so what does that tell you? Well, that that just tells you that it is divinely inspired, that there, you know, there is no way that could have happened unless there was a guiding hand, a, you know, guiding author behind the whole thing. And now the other thing is the Old Testament, most people don't realize this, but Christianity is extremely science-based, especially if you're the type of person that likes to see evidence, like me, <laughs> you'll be very satisfied with Christianity because Christianity is its very well established, more than any other faith. There's things that the Bible describes. People who are archaeologists, even they're secular, will admit that they use the Bible when they're doing work in the Middle East. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a necessary resource. And countless stuff has come out, especially in the last couple decades, of just things that have happened in the Bible that are now being proved true. I think this year, 2022, they're actually um, revealing that they found Noah's Ark in the Middle East somewhere. It's a very fascinating project. But in either case, you know, they found all kinds of, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, different sites, the Exodus, Christ's life is is extremely well supported uh, archaeologically. I mean, there's just so much evidence for the Bible. It's it's overwhelming. But the thing is, most people don't realize that because biblical archaeology is it's a very you know for some people it might be a dry topic and just it's 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 a niche topic. So you really have to do your due diligence. Patterns of evidence is a good series that's pretty mainstream. They've done a lot of work uh, on that. They publish regular articles, so go check them out. But Lots of evidence. I mean, Dead Sea Scrolls, original manuscripts from like literally 20 years after Christ um, died that that show us a clear indication of, you know, okay, there's a cohesive message here. This wasn't just invented by people. In fact, the early Christology, which is kind of the study of what people believed about Christ, the early Christology was from the beginning. People believed that he was God, that there was a Trinity, you know, that there, he resurrected. There was a very clear dogmatic, you know, unity among the Christians in the first, second centuries. And so that that's a testament to the fact that these things weren't just made up, that, that something happened. So now, now we're kind of switching gears. We're talking a little bit more about the New Testament and resurrection, but it's all kind of the same because the New Testament, Jesus' life fulfilled over... 40 prophecies in the Old Testament. And that's just a side note. That's another thing with the Bible is that it is prophetic. There's no other book that has evidence of of saying, okay, we prophesied this and then it happened. Archaeology has proved that. So that's, that's unique to the Bible. But Jesus fulfilled over 40 prophecies in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament. And 
you know, we have things like Roman records uh, of, of his crucifixion. We have the fact that multiple eyewitness testimony testified to his resurrection. I mean, these types of things don't have, you don't have group hallucination. Okay, you don't have people getting martyred for things that they're making up, right? And there's so many things in the Gospels that are, they're just so embarrassing. I mean, if it was something that it was made up to sort of be like a political revolution, which some people say, but this is nonsense, you're really ignoring all the things like testimony from women, which is just, I mean, women were second-class citizens in that day. Their testimony wasn't considered, you know, real testimony, and yet women were the first people that saw Christ resurrected. Right. I mean, then you have things like a Pharisee which bought his tomb, which is just humiliating because Pharisees were, you know, the opposing. I mean, there's just so many embarrassments called the embarrassment factor. But a lot of things that you would not expect in a story, uh, uh, like of humiliating, humble things, which only makes sense if it's true, because the culture of the time and really any culture at that time was all about power. Even the apostles, you know, they, they expected Jesus to be like, okay, we're going to take over this, you know, we're going to cause a revolution. You know, they expected the military Messiah, which which the Hebrews and Israelites had had desired, but they didn't expect the humble carpenter to come and save them through unconditional love, right? And so those types of things would have never flown in a culture that was overall again all the cultures were like this they respected power they respected glory you know these types of things and christianity was everything but that christianity was all about humility and subverting your ego which is a message that is completely countercultural it's still countercultural so why would it ever have flourished unless it had something genuine behind it that's something to ask yourself um, the other thing is you know what jesus said and even throughout the whole Bible, there's wisdom, but nobody in history claimed what Jesus claimed. Nobody in history taught the things that Jesus taught about about a spiritual path, right? Nobody portrayed life from the perspective that Jesus portrayed it in the sense that, listen, we fell from grace and we have to be redeemed because we can't save ourselves through works. Every other spiritual path, whether it's you know one religion or another, they teach you a works-based idea, which is that you can work your way, or I should say, you should you have to work your way into heaven or divinity or whatever else. And Jesus taught the the one unique approach to that, which is that you can't. It's impossible for you to work your way to enlightenment or anything else. That He has to do the perfect work, and that your faith in Him creates a relationship where he can work through you that's that's completely unique right and so ultimately that's another thing too is nobody talked like jesus the wisdom in his parables is not something that a man could have made up pure and simple i mean if you really take the time to read it the gospels and especially the things that jesus says they're profound i mean they're really profound i'm telling you from my experience being very heavily into like new age and reading all kinds of new age books and philosophy. Philosophy has always been an interest of mine. I can tell you now, right now that what Jesus said is way beyond anything any man has written 
by far. Uh, so, so that's really important. And you know, you have just so many other things. Ultimately, you have like the Hebrew tradition. Most people don't realize this, but the Hebrew tradition of passing down information, it was like a mortal sin to exaggerate anything, right? But every other culture had a tradition of exaggeration. That's why there's so much doubt in terms of, like, every culture has a narrative of the flood, for example, right? But every other culture also didn't keep the same records that the Hebrews did. They were super anal and specific about oral tradition, their scribes, you know, and th this stuff we know. And, you know, we look at other evidence for that, and it's just very clear that the Hebrews are very disciplined. And so that culture was unique because all the other cultures were very much prone to, in fact, exaggeration, especially in like Greek culture, was seen as like you had to do that. So that means that over generations, stories would become crazier and crazier. Whereas with the Hebrews, it was about being as accurate as possible. And so that's another thing to keep in mind is, you know, sometimes people hear the word oral tradition and they say, well, you know, oral, oral tradition, that's just playing telephone. How can you be sure that's reliable? Yeah, sure, today. But you don't realize like the culture back then, thousands of years ago, people were like put to death if they lied. You know, if they bore false witness, especially if you're bearing false witness against God, you know, and, and being a false prophet or, you know, exaggerating something. So these things are very different mindsets that we just don't have an appreciation of in our modern culture. But it is important because it's it's just another thing. It's like, OK, you know, the stuff in the Bible is not just made up, especially the Old Testament. I mean, and, and the Jews, the Hebrews and the Israelites who who became Christians like Paul and Peter and the apostles, they had that tradition too. They weren't just making things up. You know, they they were very much, there's, there's a verse right now, I'm not even, I wasn't prepared with this thought, but there's a verse where Paul writes, I forget which letter it is, but you know, he said, basically, if, if we're making this up, then all of humanity is, is screwed because there is no power. Right. And if, if, if Christ didn't resurrect from the dead, which is the central teaching of Christianity, and we're just lying to you, then everybody's still under the law. And that's true, ultimately. You, you know, you don't need the Bible to come to what I call the bad news, right? There's the good news. Gospel is called the good news. But the question is, why is the gospel the good news? This is really important. The gospel is the good news because there's bad news, <laughs> right? And you don't need the Bible for the bad news. The Bible certainly helps. And, and you know, the Ten Commandments are, are critical to understanding the need for a Savior because the Ten Commandments are God's perfect standard for morality that he created. You know, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't have affairs, you know, th those kind of things. That's basic stuff. And we, we understand that intuitively through our conscience. But we, we break those commands every single day. And to God who is righteous and holy and perfect, that's a, that's a very serious thing. And so we're screwed by default because our nature tends toward evil. You know, the Bible says countless times, don't rely on your own wisdom. Don't trust your own heart. Literally the opposite of the New Age movement, which is all about, you know, your truth is your truth. Uh, you know, you can... 
you determine what's right in your life, which is it's just total nonsense. You can't possibly determine. From a Christian perspective, you cannot determine what's right for your life. You are not the authority because we don't know. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it, right? That's, that's, that's the proverb. And so this is why we need an objective standard, and that standard is God, and God has laid out that standard. But even, even without the Bible, you can look around and say, okay, something's not right with the world. <laughs> Things shouldn't be this way. Humanity's depraved, right? And so that's bad news. But that's why the gospel is good news, because we're forgiven and we're saved. Because look, at the end of the day, if you're convicted for a crime, let's say you killed somebody or whatever, you, you can't say to the judge, well, I, I'm really going to be a good person from now on, or you know, I've done a lot of community service. It doesn't work that way. You still got to do your time, or you got to pay the fine for whatever it is. The law has to be satisfied. No amount of good work that we can do can pay for the thousands upon thousands of times we've broken God's law since we were born. It's just, it's impossible. You can't do that. The only way to pay for it is through death, and that's what the Bible says. That's why Christ died in our place. That's why he walked into the courtroom, paid the fine so that we could go free. Even if we're guilty, the law has been satisfied. The fine has been paid. Because somebody perfect who didn't deserve to die took on the punishment. And so that's the beauty. That's completely unique. There's no other person in history that's ever claimed these things or said these things. Uh, in fact, the other religions like Islam have very much twisted the gospel to take away the core teachings, you know, that Jesus was God, that he was always God, that he resurrected. I mean, all these things that are central to Christianity are twisted by other sources, right? And so we have to be very careful because if if nothing, the way I look at it is like this, if, if Jesus was just a made-up character, why to this day are is there so much spiritual warfare around him? Right? If he's just made up, if, if that was just a story, why does Hollywood hate Jesus? Why do people, why is there so much disinformation around him? You know what I mean? That's, that's really another sign for me. I mean, that's not the main sign, but my point is, you know, it's just another thing to think about uh, because it, it, it begs the question, right? It begs the question. So there's a lot in here, you remember, this is not an exhaustive episode. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons why the Bible is reliable. Um, a lot of archaeology. There's, I love biblical archaeology. I love studying the evidence for the resurrection. I mean, there's just so much evidence. Obviously, we don't have a body because Christ was raised from the dead. And so, <laughs> he's not here. But there... There really are so many people, and on my website, I've put some evidence for it. You can go to danceoflife.com slash Jesus, evidence for the resurrection. But, you know, skeptics agree that Jesus died. Okay, even atheists agree that Jesus existed, and he died. Like, he was an actual historical figure. So the question is, did he, did he raise from the dead or not? Right? Meaning, 
was the things that he said actually true? Because if he raised from the dead, then everything he said was true. So this is the central thing, right? And, and there's a lot of a lot of things that just are not explainable. The resurrection is the most plausible and likely explanation for all the facts, right? So you have multiply witness testimonies. You have early Christology. You know, testimony, again, in 2,000 years ago, testimony is not like it is today. It was, it was a really serious thing to give false testimony, let alone the testimony of a woman, right? You know, so these things, we can't project our current culture, which is just, you know, people are making things up just to sue somebody and get money. That was very different 2,000 years ago, especially, again, with something as embarrassing as, as a woman testifying. You know, why, why would you look at, for example, Watergate? I think there's like 12 people in Watergate and they all confessed within, I don't even know, it's a short amount of time when they were finally caught. So if people who say that, oh, Christianity is just made up religion, well, do you realize that the apostles, if they were trying to start a cult, they literally went about the worst way possible. They taught in the open they, you know, they left communities instead of like isolating them and, and keeping them for themselves. They, they would teach, they would go to another community, they would teach there. It's literally the worst way you could go about starting a cult. On top of the fact that they were all martyred, except for John, I believe, but most of them were martyred and none of them ever recanted. That's not possible to go. I mean, Peter was crucified upside down. Okay. And at no point in that did he ever say, you know what, <laughs> the joke's up, we've been lying. No, they died for their faith. And so that tells you something. That That's a huge testimony because you don't do that for things that you, that's, you know, Peter denied Christ three times. And so ultimately, what changed between that level of doubt and him being crucified upside down for his beliefs. Well, he must have seen something. Something must have happened to fully convince him of what he was doing was the truth. And not only that, but a truth that had eternal consequences for everybody. You know, you look at, for example, Paul, who uh, used to be Saul, and he was a murderer. I mean, he would round up Christians to, to kill them until Christ appeared to him. And he, he became one of the greatest evangelists of all time. So there's record of that. You know, and there's record of Paul doing his thing. So what happened? He saw something, right? So there's there's a lot of evidence for Christianity and the Old Testament and the Bible. The Bible's, you know, people in the Middle East, they use the Bible. If they're archaeologists, they use, even their secular archaeologists, they use the Bible when they're working in the Middle East. There's been so much evidence and it's really exciting because it's like, wow, this stuff actually happened. It really happened. Truth is stranger than fiction. So we have to keep an open mind and if we're Christian, we have to know what we stand on. The Bible is the Word of God. It is the Word of God for, for many reasons. And many of those reasons are provable that you have evidence and the last thing i'll leave you with this is you know people who think oh it's it was manipulated it's been changed it's been translated i mean first off 
translations happen only once, okay? We have Greek and Aramaic manuscripts from 20 years after Christ died. If you really doubt the translation, go and learn Greek, and it's free for anybody to go and look at the original manuscripts and see if the translations are accurate. Translations don't happen like, okay, there was a 1600 translation, and then they took that and translated it from English to another English. That's not how it works. Everything works directly from the original manuscripts. Now, of course, there are some translations that suck. So yeah, you got to do your research and you have to see what does the academics behind those translations say. But, you know, translations are not, when people say, oh, it's been translated so many times, well, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, it has been translated many times because English has changed from, you know, the old English 500 years ago to... You know, modern English. So, of course, we need an updated translation so we understand the Gospels. Now, that's not always going to be perfect. Sure, that's why you learn the original language if you want to be a stickler for it. But the core truth is preserved, and this comes back to one of those three lies, which is that God isn't sovereign. If God is sovereign, meaning he's in control, do you really think that he would let the Illuminati or secret societies or whatever change his word to where nobody would know the truth? I don't think so. You know, because either you believe in God having control over that process, right? Meaning what God intends to do, he will fulfill. That's what it means to believe that God is sovereign. What he intends to do, he will fulfill. If he intends to save people, he's going to save them and he's going to make sure everybody who needs to be saved will find out what they need to know. But if you say, oh, you know, maybe it had some truth, but it got changed. What you're really saying is God tried to do something, but then man or the devil or whatever else kind of intervened and then ruined that whole plot. Eh, That doesn't, that's not the same God then. It's not the same God of the Bible. The God of the Bible declares the end from the beginning. He sees the future. He's the only one that sees the future. And he only, he's the one that lives outside of time and space. He's created everything and he observes it without concern. So how could anything intervene in one of God's plans? It doesn't. So ultimately we have to know that the Bible is not an encyclopedia. This is true. Um, It's not going to tell you every little single thing under the sun. Some of the translated words aren't always the best. But the core teaching, really, what is it about? It's about being saved. The Bible is a document of how we can restore our relationship to God. Okay, it's been proven archaeologically, but really the core message is very simple. It's so simple. Our nature is fallen. We need a we need to submit to a relationship with God through faith, and we're saved from his judgment that is coming on the world, which is, I believe, <laughs> not too far away. So, I hope this has been edifying for you, a little bit uh, all over the place today, but there, there's just so many things to to look into the to this question of, well, how do we know that the Bible is the Word of God? We do know. We know very well, right? And it all comes back to, do you believe that God is sovereign? So, I hope this helped. God bless, and we'll see you next time.